Book Four, Chapter One of Henrietta Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asha Elizabeth Pramod. Henrietta Temple by Benjamin Disraeli. Book Four, Chapter One which contains a love letter. Let us pause. We have endeavoured to trace in the preceding portion of this history the development of that passion which is at once the principle and end of our existence. That passion, compared to whose delights all the other gratifications of our nature, wealth and power and fame, sink into insignificance, and which, Nevertheless, by the ineffable beneficence of our Creator, is open to His creatures of all conditions, qualities, and climes. Whatever be the lot of man, however unfortunate, however oppressed, if he only love and be loved, he must strike a balance in favour of existence. For love can illumine the dark roof of poverty and can lighten the fetters of the slave. But if the most miserable position of humanity be tolerable with its support, so also the most splendid situations of our life are wearisome without its inspiration. The golden palace requires a mistress as magnificent. The fairest garden, besides the song of birds and the breath of flowers, calls for the sigh of sympathy. It is at the foot of woman that we lay the laurels that without her smile would never have been gained. It is her image that strings the lyre of the poet, that animates our voice in the blaze of eloquent faction, and guides our brain in the august toils of stately councils. But this passion, so charming in its nature, so equal in its dispensation, so universal in its influence, never assumes a power so vast or exerts an authority so captivating as when it is experienced for the first time then it is truly irresistible and enchanting fascinating and despotic and whatever may be the harsher feelings that life may develop there is no one however callous or constrained he may have become whose brow will not go pensive at the memory of first love. The magic of first love is our ignorance that can never end. It is the dark conviction that feelings the most ardent may yet grow cold, and that emotions the most constant and confirmed are, nevertheless, liable to change, that change the feebler spell of our later passions though they may spring from a heart that has lost little of its original freshness, and be offered to one infinitely more worthy of the devotion that was our first idol. To gaze upon a face, and to believe that forever we must behold it with the same adoration, in whose light we live, will forever meet ours with mutual glances of rapture and devotedness, to be conscious that all conversation with others sounds vapid and spiritless, 
compared with the endless expression of our affection, to feel our heart rise at the favoured voice, and to believe that life must hereafter consist of a ramble through the world, pressing but one fond hand, and leaning but upon one faithful breast. Oh, must this sweet credulity indeed be dissipated? Is there no hope for them so full of hope, no pity for them so abounding with love? And can it be possible that the hour can ever arrive when the former votaries of a mutual passion so exquisite and engrossing can meet each other with indifference, almost with unconsciousness, and recall with an effort their vanished scenes of felicity, that quick yet profound sympathy, that ready yet boundless confidence, all that charming abandonment of self, and that vigilant and prescient fondness that anticipates all our wants and all our wishes. It makes the heart ache but to picture such vicissitudes to the imagination. They are images full of distress and misery and gloom. The knowledge that such changes can occur flits over the mind like the thought of death, obscuring all our gay fancies with its bat-like wing, and changing the healthy atmosphere of our happiness with its venomous expirations. It is not so much ruined cities that were once the capital glories of the world, or mouldering temples breathing with oracles no more believed, or arches of triumph which have forgotten the heroic name they were piled up to celebrate that fill the mind with half so mournful an expression of instability of human fortunes as these sad spectacles of exhausted affections and as it were traditionary fragments of expired passion the morning which broke sweet and soft and clear brought ferdinand with its first glimmer a letter from henrietta Henrietta to Ferdinand Mine own, I have not laid down the whole night. What a terrible, what an awful night! To think that he was in the heart of that fearful storm. What did, what could you do? How I longed to be with you! How I could only watch the tempest from my window and strain my eyes at every flash of lightning! in the vain hope that it might reveal him. Is he well? Is he unhurt? Until my messenger return, I can imagine only evil. How often I was on the point of sending out the household, and yet I thought it must be useless, and might displease him. I knew not what to do. I bet about my chamber like a silly bird in a cage. Tell me the truth, my Ferdinand. Conceal nothing. Do not think of moving today. If you feel the least unwell, send immediately for advice. Write to me one line, only one line, to tell me you are well. I shall be in despair until I hear from you. Do not keep the messenger an instant. He is on my pony. He promises to return in a very, very short time. I pray for you 
as I prayed for the whole long night that seemed as if it would never end. God bless you, my Ferdinand. Write only one word to your own, Henrietta. Ferdinand to Henrietta Sweetest, dearest Henrietta, I'm quite well, and love you, if that could be, more than ever. Darling, to send to see, after her Ferdinand, a wet jacket, and I experience no greater evil, does not frighten me. The storm was magnificent. I would not have missed it for the world. But I regret it now, because my Henrietta did not sleep. Sweetest love, let me come on to you. Your page is inexorable. He will not let me write another line. God bless you, my Henrietta, my beloved, my matchless Henrietta. Words cannot tell you how I love you, how I dote upon you. My darling, thy Ferdinand. Henrietta to Ferdinand No, you must not come here. It would be unwise. It would be silly. We could only be together a moment, and though a moment with you is heaven, I cannot endure again the agony of parting. Oh, Ferdinand, what has that separation not cost me? Pangs that I could not conceive any human misery could occasion. My Ferdinand, may we some day be happy. It seems to me now that happiness can never come again. And yet I ought to be grateful that he was uninjured last night. I dared not confess to you before what evils I anticipated. Do you know I was so foolish that I thought every flash of lightning must descend on your head? I dare not now own how foolish I was. God be praised that he is well. But is he sure that he is quite well? If you have the slightest cold, dearest, do not move. Postpone that journey on which all our hopes are fixed. Colds bring fever. But you laugh at me. You are a man and a soldier. You laugh at a woman's caution. Oh, my Ferdinand, I am so selfish that I should not care if you were ill, if I might only be a nurse. What happiness, what exquisite happiness would that be? Do not be angry with your Henrietta, but I am nervous about concealing our engagement from Papa. What I have promised I'll perform. Fear not that. I'll never deceive you, no, not even for your fancied benefit. But I feel the burthen of the secrecy more than I can express, more than I wish to express. I do not like to say anything that can annoy you, especially at this moment, when I feel from my own heart how you must require all the support and solace of unbroken fondness. I have such confidence in your judgment, my Ferdinand, that I feel convinced you have acted wisely but come back as soon as you can. I know it must be more than a week. I know that that prospect was only held out by your affection. Days must elapse before you can reach Bath. And I know, Ferdinand, I know your office is more difficult than you will confess. But come back, my own, as soon as you can, 
and write to me at the post office as you settled. If you will, as you say, leave the farm directly. The consciousness that you are so near makes me restless. Remember, in a few hours, Papa will be here. I wish to meet him with as much calmness as I can command. Ferdinand, I must bid you adieu. My tears are too evident. See, they fall upon the page. Think of me always. Never let your Henrietta be absent from your thoughts. If you knew how desolate this house is. Your guitar is on the sofa, a ghost of departed joy. Farewell, Ferdinand. I cannot write. I cannot restrain my tears. I know not what to do. I almost wish Papa would return, though I dread to see him. I feel the desolation of this house. I am so accustomed to see you here. Heaven be with you, and guard over you, and cherish you, and bless you. Think always of me. Would that this pen could express the depth and devotion of my feelings. Henrietta End of Book 4, Chapter 1 Recording by Asha Elizabeth Pramod